This podcast is brought to you by First Steps NZ. We're about health and well-being for business. Where do business leaders begin when it comes to looking after their mental health? How they understand what the pressure and stress is doing to their body? Who to talk to about it and how they recover? All the while keeping their business going strong. Welcome to the Leadership and Mental Wellbeing Podcast with Michael Barnett and First Steps. Each week bringing you real and in-depth insight into the mental health of New Zealand's business leaders. Hi, this is First Steps and I'm Michael Barnett. With me today is Kirsten Taylor. Kirsten, of course, is the Chief Executive of Sleep Drops. Kirsten, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Nice to see you. Look, we've been here before. We've talked about sleep and I had some more questions that I thought I'd throw at you today. So when people are talking to me about sleep, they often refer to their body clock. Is there such a thing and is it important? Yeah, great question. There absolutely is a body clock, but there's more than one. We have a series of circadian rhythms. One measures or regulates our sleep-wake cycle. That's the one that they're most likely referring to. What people don't know is that there's also other ones that regulate digestion or our endocrine system. So there's a whole lot of these little clocks running in the background. Actually, circadian rhythm comes from the Latin phrase circa diem, or about a day. Right, So it's this 24-hour cycle that's regulated by the master clock in our brain. It's absolutely fascinating. And everything that we do impacts on the other. So the more regular our sleep and our weight cycles, the better our digestion. The better our digestion clock, the better our endocrine or energy clock. So they're absolutely fascinating how they interact with each other and they positively or negatively impact on all of those body processes. Yes, we definitely have a circadian rhythm sleep-weight cycle. So the brain controls it, but it's ultimately influenced by our environment, particularly in response to light. So when we wake up in the morning, our eyeballs, whether our eyelids are closed or not, recognize light coming in from the world. This sends a message back to another part of the brain that says, hey, it's time to wake up, and we release that cortisol, right? That's our wake-up hormone. It's also, when we get out of balance, can be too much stress hormone. But for the sake of this conversation, it's our wake-up. At that time, our melatonin, our sleep chemical, goes down and our cortisol goes up and we're supposed to be energized and ready to take on the day, right? Then, at nighttime, at around 9.30 at night at darkness, our eyeballs start to see that the light is going down Again, it sends a message back to the suprachiasmic nuclei in the brain, and then it says, okay, it's time to release melatonin, and that's when we start to get sleepy. And the more regular that circadian rhythm is, the better and more healthy our sleep is, I guess. So that body clock thing, I'm setting it every day, or is it changing every day, or does it get used to me? waking and sleeping at particular times? It really likes it when you have a set routine. The more regular your bedtime is, 
the better your sleep is and the better your daytime energy is. And then, of course, that influences your digestion. So everything, you know, like when we have a baby, or they talk about getting babies to sleep, there's the whole just let them sleep whenever they want versus the old school grandmas that are like, get them into a routine, the body likes routine. Well, it's really true. It's the same for growing up people. If we go to bed at the same time and we wake up at the same time, the quality of sleep, the phases of sleep, our cycles of sleep, everything improve. Staying with this, but um, often I'll say to people, I've got a big day tomorrow, so I'm aiming for a good night's sleep. Does it make a difference, that level of sleep that I get, and does it help my thinking? Absolutely, yes. The research on this is super clear. It's fascinating. So there's lots of important brain processes that happen while we're sleeping. But I guess we'll go back a step and we'll talk about when it starts. So right now, this conversation, this is acquired learning or acquisition. is the acquisition phase. So this information is going into our short-term memory right now. When we go to sleep tonight and we drop down through the phases of sleep and brain waves, right before we drop into theta and delta, which is the deep sleep, this memory of this conversation will start going from short-term memory storage across to the long-term storage bank. And that stability or that, that save button, it's like pushing the save button on the computer that process can only happen if we have really great sleep, right? Then the next day, we have to have had all of that happen in order for us to be able to recall the information that we've learned. And so we've got focus. So right now we can focus because we had a good night's sleep, or maybe not, right? (laughs) But if we did, so we're focusing, we're acquiring the new information, then we're sleeping, we're processing it, we're making sure the memory is stable, and then we can recall it all because we've had a good night's sleep. Now, the other thing that happens, which is really fascinating, is that when we sleep, we actually have a cleansing process through the glymphatic system, which clears out neuronal junk. Everything we do during the day creates neuronal activity and metabolites that build up. And when we're sleeping, it's like the trash or the rubbish truck comes around and sprays it all clean and clears it all away. And those neurons get refreshed. And that's what enables the feeling of clear thinking. And that's when we can, our neurons can go over, retrieve the files that we want to get, bring them back, recall them, deliver the information. It's all interrelated and super important and quite fascinating. It is fascinating. And you know, I have to say I'm intrigued because um, that, that belief that I have, you know, have a good night's sleep, perform better tomorrow. It's good to know that it's not wasted. No, it's absolutely true. <clears throat> I hate to ask this, but... Can having the right amount of sleep or the wrong amount of sleep, can it have any impact on my weight? Yes, we get asked <laughs> this a lot. And the answer is absolutely. Remember we were talking absolutely about... Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. Wow. Lack of sleep makes us put on weight. <laughs> Healthy sleep helps us metabolise everything better. So our cells turn over... Don't forget we talked about the digestion circadian rhythm and how that's impacted. If we're having regular sleep-weight cycles and we're having regular meals, 
and all of those things are working together properly, our body will release hydrochloric acid and digestive proteins and other chemicals to break down our food properly. If we're not sleeping, then that whole process doesn't happen properly. So then maybe we're consuming a muffin and instead of our body converting the carbohydrates into fuel, it converts it into other sugars that get stored rather than utilized. Also, the, the cell's ability to process insulin changes. So again, instead of the fuel being utilized, it gets stored. You can see it starts to escalate. And then there's also a really fascinating um, phenomenon whereby if we sleep in a regular amount of time or we have one big bad night out or something, you know, Christmas is coming, it happens. The next day, it actually activates our cannabinoid receptors, forcing us, if you like, to get the munchies, making us crave the burger and chips instead of the chicken salad. We've all had that feeling after a big night or a tired night where the next day, instead of eating well, we're kind of forced to the vending machine to buy the chocolate bar against our will. It's actually biochemical. We're we're driven to do it. And that's all because we haven't had a good night's sleep. So so, bad news, I'm afraid. I know. So (laughs) to me, I come back then, um, are there foods that help good sleep? Yes. Are there there things I should I've got some good news. Yes. Okay. (laughs) There's absolutely foods that are really, really helpful to our sleep. Again, regular meals, really helpful, stabilizing blood sugar, making sure we're not too erratic. Those are some basic things. And then in terms of food, look, major nutrition enthusiasts would say aim for 50 different food groups a a week. Well, that's a a big ask in terms of planning, but also in terms of budget, right? So let's not worry about putting pressure on that for now. What we do know is that certain foods facilitate good sleep right? So you want to have a meal that's not too fatty, not too rich, and not too late to bed because it can overload your digestion and your liver and make you kind of lie around feeling a bit sick, right? But conversely, you also don't want to be hungry. So for people that suffer from insomnia, we do recommend a small light meal right before bed. And there are certain foods that are rich in melatonin, rice, fish, eggs, mushrooms so you can imagine like a really yummy stir fry but just a small portion of it would be a great way to facilitate melatonin delivery to the body you've got foods that are rich in milk like nuts cashews almonds they're delicious pistachios is a great snack they're almost double the amount of melatonin than the other nuts right so a small amount of any of those foods will get you what you need. If you're in America or you've got easy access to turkey, then turkey slices on a cracker is a wonderful way to deliver tryptophan to the brain and help a person develop melatonin and get sleepy. So, yep, there's absolutely foods you can have. Okay, and um, male, female, does, does it really matter? Oh. Can we just both do the same thing or do we have different needs? We, the answer is both. We need to do the same thing, but unfortunately, the impact is far more dangerous for women. So we all need to concentrate on our sleep. We should prioritize it. We need to have more than six hours and less than nine hours. That eight is the magic number. We really, really should be going for that. 
There was a fascinating study just released a couple of years ago by the European Cardiology um, Society. They did a 10-year study of 8,001 people. What they did was they used polysonography, so brainwave technology, where they measured what they called unconscious awakenings. It's when a person's, they wake up slightly during the night, but they're not fully aware that they're awake. And they call that arousal burden. And they measured the amount of times people woke slightly. And then they gave them an arousal burden index. And they found a really fascinating relationship. So even though women didn't wake as much as men, the danger of them waking was nearly threefold. So women are way more likely to die unfortunately, if they don't make sure they're getting great sleep compared to men. So yet again, the woman get the double sword. <laughs> However, I, th- I think we do get back to the, you know, the point that we've covered off so many times in our conversation so far, the importance of sleep yes. and the things that we can do to guarantee good quality sleep. So I'm going to end up with my... Final question being, can you give me four or five things that will positively influence a good night's sleep? Yes, absolutely. So one, that regular circadian rhythm, putting that program down and sticking to it as much as possible is going to have the biggest impact. So same sort of time, going to sleep, getting up. It's about developing and committing to that routine. Right. Also, you want to exercise around 150 minutes a week. So three times 50 minutes or five times 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be massive amounts of time, but regular because it also creates tiredness. And they've proven that exercise improves the quality of sleep that you get. And does it matter how old I am? So no, it doesn't. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just regular small bouts of um, exercise. If a person does have to nap or they feel better after having a nap, that's encouraged, but no longer than 30 minutes at a time, okay, because otherwise that can upset the sleep later. Yep. You want to stay away mm-hmm. from technology before bed, about an hour and a half. Truly just try and keep technology out of the bedroom. And you want to wake up and get exposed to sunlight to regulate that circadian rhythm, preferably within 15 minutes of waking up. So those things will set up a really great routine in your body and facilitate great sleep. Kirsten Taylor, Chief Executive from Sleep Drops. What a wonderful lot of wisdom that we've had this morning. I hope you can apply it to your lives. I'm certainly going to apply it to mine. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on our weekly podcasts and make sure to check out the firststeps.nz website for more tools, blogs and resources. Business leaders, change the things you can.